Only a couple other times in the history of the show before the show podcast have we felt the need to declare an emergency podcast episode. And that is where we are here on uh, this latest edition of the show before the show. We have a full episode out this week. Uh, so you are welcome to tune into that one after this one or pause this, go flip over and catch that one right now. Jesse Goldberg Strassel from the Lansing Lug Nuts joins us. Uh, we talk about prospects who have turned things around. We talk about a whole bunch of different topics. Um, and we've got all of that over on the other full episode. But this episode, Wander Franco and Wander Franco only as the top prospect in all of baseball has graduated to the major leagues and uh, made his major league debut. We're recording this on uh, on the 23rd of June. He's played his second game at the big league level tonight. And uh, we welcome you into this special edition of the show before the show podcast. I'm Tyler Mon with Sam Dykstra. And uh, Sam, this is obviously something that we have been waiting on for you know, what feels like a long time, which is insane because Wander Franco is literally 20 years old. Uh, but it just seems like he's been so good at every step of his career that we've just been salivating over the prospect of finally seeing him in the major leagues. And now it's here. Yeah. I mean, he's been the top prospect in baseball for two years now. Um, would that have been the case in a normal 2020? I don't know, but it, it is cr- kind of crazy just how good he was, how good he was when he was so young. I mean, this is somebody who skipped over the Dominican Summer League, the Gulf Coast League, uh, 2018 for you know, one year after signing uh, as a 16-year-old, was already playing stateside and already competing for batting titles over there uh, in the Appalachian League. And at, at, that was three years ago. And it, it, he was just getting his career started at that point. But we always thought like, hey, this could be the top prospect in baseball someday. And, you know, we were robbed of a chance to getting to see him on a public field last year. Who knows what he could have done, how he could have climbed. He probably would have started out the year at double A, finished out at triple A, maybe pushed for a raise uh, postseason spot by the end of the year. But he was technically really doing that anyway. Uh, there, there was that tweet or I think it was an Instagram post by him uh, that went viral last year of him posting a picture of his world series uniform. Now he was part of the taxi squad. He was around. Of course, if you're on the taxi squad, you're going to have a world series uniform just in case. Um, but the fact that we could see Wander Franco and I think it was the number five, cause that's what he wears now, like on a major league uniform with the world series patch, it, it felt also real. Um, so even now when we, we say this, he's the only major leaguer right now who is 20 years old. He is the first major leaguer ever born in the year 2001, it still feels like we were waiting for this day to come. What is so crazy about Wander Franco's uh, start to this 2021 season is, yeah, there's the alt side. Yeah, there's the taxi squad. Yeah, there's all of that. But this is a guy who had not played real regular baseball on a day-to-day basis, uh, just like the rest of prospects, since 2019. And he jumps into the AAA level and proceeds to, in 39 games, bat 315 with a 954 OPS. Wander Franco only had 10 hitless games at AAA. Uh, and he had never played above the high A level. This to be able to do this in this short of order this season, Sam. I think you know if you would have told us, well, okay, by you know mid July, maybe the end of August, we'll see Wander Franco. By mid June, seems like it was just about as quick of a timeline that Wander Franco could have put forth to get himself on a major league roster. Does it surprise you that we are seeing him now with the Rays? Uh, no, because. When we uh, remember we did our preseason predictions, 
anybody who's been listening to this podcast for a while knows that we do preseason predictions and we all were over the map. It was, it was me, you, our friends, Josh Jackson, Kelsey Hennigan. Um, and I think I should know this off the top of my head and I wish I'd done this, but anyway, my pick, I thought he was going to be up by the, the end of May. Um, I thought he's too talented. We haven't said this yet, but he is the only player other than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. ever to get an 80 grade hit tool from MLB pipeline. And the Rays are somebody who are, they are competing in a competitive AL East. They're going to need all the help they can get. I thought as talented as he is, if they were going to have him on the postseason taxi squad, there was a chance he was going to be knocking on the door very quickly at AAA Durham. And all he needed to do was kind of prove himself. The Rays, to their credit, have said that he did all that. Um, it took a little bit longer than I was expecting. I thought just a couple of weeks would be good enough. And he has improved. His June has certainly been better than his May. But, uh, yeah, I thought this was potentially going to come even earlier. That being said, I think a lot of other people thought it could come in the second half again because he is so young. I think there was only one player besides himself who was 20 years old at AAA or even AA. So not only was he one of the youngest players for his own level, he would have been one of the youngest players a lower, at a lower level. Um, so I do think he just needed that experience. He needed a couple of weeks to get into the game again uh, and just show that he could handle all the pressure that comes with being the number one overall prospect. Because, yeah, Tampa Bay is not the biggest market in the world. But we saw from his debut on Tuesday just how much attention he gets just by showing up. And now that's in a major league stadium. That's going to right now he's playing in, in St. Pete. But what happens when he goes on the road? What is that going to be like dealing with that pressure as well? Um, there are a lot of boxes he had to tick. Uh, it, to his credit, he did it fairly quickly. But uh, I, given his talent level, he probably could have done it even quicker. Sam, when in terms of what this means for the Rays, right now they're a, a half game back. We're recording this on the night of the 23rd. They're a half game back uh, of the Red Sox in the American League East. We sort of, I think, knew that this was going to be coming sooner rather than later when they traded Willie Adamas away, and that opened the door uh, for Juan Franco to be the shortstop on an everyday basis in Tampa. Um, what does this mean right now for where the Rays sit? Obviously, a team that was in the World Series last year, they trade away a Cy Young winner in Blake Snell. They make some other moves, and you think, well, I'm not really sure what the Rays are going to look like in 2021. One, they're right there again. I mean, where does this put them in that weird kind of American League East right now where uh, everybody seems to be in the race with the exception of Baltimore, but Tampa Bay just added a difference maker? Yeah, I mean, they did. And, and we saw that on Tuesday, just how much offense Wander Franco can inject in the Tampa Bay lineup. I mean, they, they scored five runs. It was a nine to five loss and extra innings against the Red Sox. But of the five runs, he either scored or drove in four of them. Um, which is just, it, it's crazy to see, like, he's supposed to be one of nine guys in a lineup, but he really did provide instant offense. Uh, you mentioned the Willie Adamas trade. I mean, that that felt like just kind of clearing the deck uh, for Wander Franco. That, that being said, they did uh, bring up Taylor Walls first. Taylor Walls, from everybody I've talked to uh, about this race system, is the superior defender at shortstop. I'm not going to go crazy and say he's going to win a bunch of gold gloves, but Wander Franco is somebody they've moved around a bunch. Uh, he's He had played shortstop primarily in his earlier career, but now he's playing second base. He's made his debut at third base the other night. Uh, it's Right now, Taylor Walls is actually out with a wrist injury. We'll see how long that's going to last, but Franco moved right into shortstop. Uh, it, what it does for the Rays is the Rays were kind of a little bit on the schneid. At the time they promoted him, they had just been swept by the Seattle Mariners. 
Uh, they had actually lost six straight games going back to a series against the Chicago White Sox. Uh, they could not afford to lose any steam in this AL East race, especially with this series going on against the Red Sox right now. So bringing up Franco again, he, he provides instant offense. He's going to bat at the top of that lineup. One thing Kevin Cash said is this is somebody who hasn't batted, I think below third ever in the minor leagues. So to throw him into a major league lineup and say, listen, kid, you're young. You need to find your place. We're going to bat you seventh. They said, no, we want you comfortable, so we're going to put you right in the pressure of the top three spots is, is I think, fascinating. Um, but what it does for the Rays is this is essentially like a trade deadline pickup. You know, it, if Juan Franco were to be traded, it would have to be for a superstar because that's how good he is. Uh, and at a time when a lot of other teams are looking externally for how to inject offense into their lineup, the Rays can do that internally. And, and it's not just Franco. It's Vidal Bruhan who they could potentially bring up. Here at some point, the fit isn't quite there. Tyler, you mentioned the Willie Adamas trade cleared a lane for for Franco and for Taylor Walls. Um, but the fact that Franco can play multiple positions, this is a team that values versatility perhaps more than any other team in baseball. Uh, They're going to find a spot for his bat in the lineup, no doubt. And it couldn't come at a better time, like I said, losing six straight, losing ground in the AL East. Ill, can ill afford to do that. Uh, and you know, we'll see just how they're going to use him, but the fact that they're batting him second already and moving him around third base one night, shortstop the next um, signals that he's going to be here for a long time. So long as he hits and he's hit everywhere he's ever been. Where does he long-term ultimately sit with this team? I mean, Taylor Walls, like you said, probably the more prominent defender, um, but Franco, every grade for every tool for him is at the very least major league average that's his field tool which is a 50 everything else is above average to substantially above average including only the the second only 80 grade hit tool given out by mlb pipeline Vlad Guerrero jr getting the other as you noted a little while ago is franco the shortstop uh permanently going forward we know how much the rays like to move guys around where do you ultimately see him settling uh i think honestly right now it's he's almost going to be like a joey wendell type uh for the rays now the rays have joey wendell but um I think, honestly, if he were with another team, he might settle in at second base. I know the arm is pretty good and, and the range is, is pretty decent. Um, and he could be a shortstop long term. And, and what we've seen, you know, it used to be you had to be glove first to be a shortstop. And we've seen things move in the other direction there. If you can play a serviceable shortstop and mash, uh, then people are willing to look beyond that a little bit. And that could be the case with Franco. I, I just, I think Walls is going to be good enough uh, to play there. He is the guy who will be the glove first shortstop. Um, I, I think he's going to move around too much to nail him down to a position. If he's probably going to get the majority of the reps somewhere, I, I guess right now it would be at third base. Um, but we'll see how that's going to shake out. I, I think for right now, he's just going to move around too much to, to really nail him down to a position again, because they're going to want to play matchups. And the fact that he is a switch hitter makes that difficult to do for other teams. Um, so it's much more likely that his bat's going to get in the lineup uh, as much as they can. But if I had if I had to lean somewhere right now, I would guess third base or second. Uh, but shortstop's not out of the cards either um, if things don't work out with walls and, and they decide, you know, Franco's bat is good enough and he, we can live with whatever slight, slight defensive shortcomings. And again, like you said, Tyler, like to say that he is not a plus or plus plus defender is not a knock against him. I think sometimes people throw out 
with an uber talent like him oh he's five tools well i don't know about five tools like five tools is is not quite that i would say jared kelnick is much more of a five tool player than wander franco is but franco is so much better of an overall hitter than kelnick is and that's saying something um, that he is going to provide more value uh, but still on the defensive side i think it's still a coin flip but if i had to go somewhere it's either third or second this past year has shown us that without your health you have nothing If you're not well, you can't work, look after yourself, or take care of your family. You can't enjoy the life you've worked so hard to build. That's why you need to prioritize taking care of your long-term health today, before it goes from good to bad to worse. So invest in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early before it's too late. And catching them early could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. Everyone's health history is different, which is why Forward doctors personalize a health plan with you, based on your genetics, lifestyle, and biometrics to achieve long-term results and ensure nothing gets missed. It's time to invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Go to GoForward.com today to protect your future health. That's GoForward.com. GoForward.com. Four of the Rays' top seven prospects are either true shortstops or kind of hybrid middle infield second base slash shortstops behind Juan or Franco. Uh, no, check that. It's five of the top seven, including Franco. Franco, Vidal Brujan, Xavier Edwards, who was their number four, Taylor Walls, and Greg Jones, who was a first-round pick in 2019. Um, that is some pretty ridiculous depth. Uh, Sam, before we wrap this thing up and get out of here, I feel like we always have to give kind of the caveats of sort of how to view prospect performances. Uh, We saw Jared Kelnick's a very good example. Kelnick comes up, struggles with the Seattle Mariners, goes back down to AAA Tacoma. He's doing very well there. Uh, One thing that prospect people and and media people, people like us always love to say is development is not a linear thing. Um, There are going to be fits and starts. There are sometimes is going to be considerable regression for players. Um, When you tell people about what it's like watching a prospect like this. You know, we saw this with Vlad Guerrero Jr. It doesn't immediately click. Now we're seeing in 2021 that Vlad is just mashing everything that gets thrown his way. And we kind of expected that at some point, but rookie season wasn't necessarily the case. Um, What do you tell people when they get excited about a prospect like this to caution them that maybe it's not going to be just setting the world on fire immediately? I mean, you start with the age, right? Like Juan Franco is 20 years old. Tyler, I don't know if you remember what you were doing when you were 20 years old. Do you uh, not, remember? Not playing in the major leagues, I'll tell you that. <laughs> not playing, not playing yeah. in the – I was playing University of Nebraska club baseball. That was uh, where my baseball life was at the day. See, uh, I wasn't even playing club days. baseball. I was playing uh, indoor wiffle ball, which was played ah, in like, the shot put area. I did that as well. Did that as well. I was a, I was a wiffle ball champ, University of Nebraska. That's a, <laughs> See, they're not, still not quite major leagues. But yeah. yeah Why doesn't Wander Franco have any rings yet in wiffle ball? There I mean, go. you know. There we go. Another, <laughs> another question I'll throw out to you, Tyler, is, and we've we talked about this briefly on the other uh, show we recorded before this, but WRC Plus is something where 100 is average. It's mixed in with league factors in the minors. In the majors, it's like mixed in with park factors. Um, lots of things that boil into it, but basically anything above a hundred is above average. Anything below a hundred is below average. It's a kind of shortcut and how to look at offensive performance for Vladimir Guerrero jr. You mentioned his rookie season wasn't quite up to what we were expecting right out of the gate. He was also 20 years old. Then what do you think his WRC plus was? 
Oof, that is a very good question. Um, man, I have no idea. Yes, again, hundreds average. 89. So, that's the thing. See, because the hype was so big for Vlad Jr. Yeah. That his actual WRC plus was 105. So he was above major league average, but he was like, technically an above average major league hitter. By that is crazy. A very thin margin, but the hype machine was so big. Right. Again, Vlad Jr. was somebody who was flirting with 400. Like there was every reason to have the hype machine be that big. And Juan Franco has never flirted with 400, but he's done some really special things, especially when it comes to strikeout to walk ratio uh, in the minor leagues. So what I would tell people is Juan Franco this year might be an above average hitter. He might have a 105, he might have a 110 WRC plus. And if that happens, don't be disappointed. If he's doing that at 20, imagine what he's going to be at 21. Imagine what he's going to be at 22. Guess what? Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s WRC plus is right now 195. Good lord! And he's 22. <laughs> he's 22. So, like, he's not even close to his prime years yet. Imagine what a monster yeah. hitter he's going to be years to come. Um. So, it, even if when you say player development is not linear, sometimes it is. Yeah. You just have to realize like what we are starting out at here. Right. Uh, 20 years old you're essentially either a college sophomore or a college junior. Now you're being asked to face 95 mile an hour, 96 mile an hour heat on a daily basis, sliders and curveballs, the likes of which you have not seen. Uh, there may be some bumps, but even if there are, I think Franco's too talented. Like he is on his own level at this point. I think if you're talking about tiers of prospects, I think it's Juan Franco, then a slight or a decent, a decent jump to Adley Rutschman at two, and then you fall in with the, your Julio Rodriguez's, your Jared Kelnick, C.J. Abrams, Bobby Witt Juniors, et cetera. Um, but he is talented enough to do well. We just have to always keep well in context. So if he is you know, a league average hitter at 20, that's a great start. That's fine. If he's a little bit better than that, then he deserves even more credit than what we're giving him right now. Um, but if you're expecting him to come out of the gate hitting 330, like I saw some people flirt, floating around and be like, Oh, do you think he could be a three thirty here this year? No, I don't think he can do that because that's extremely difficult to ask of any major league hitter. Um, but it just everything always deserves some context. Uh, I think there's a decent chance he could sneak into the rookie of the year conversation because again, he is that talented, but even if he doesn't, and he is just a league average hitter, that's a, that's a pretty big boon for, for the Tampa Bay Rays to get that going and to add that in at knowing that his career is just going to take off from there. It is a fun time uh, to be a Tampa Bay race fan as though they needed more fun and more prospects and more talent and all of that. Uh, and the rest of us are all very jealous of race fans who get to uh, bear witness to the, uh, the dawn of the Wander Franco era. Um, it also, I, I guess we'll end on this point um, certainly leaves that system weaker. Um, and Wander Franco is not yet graduated. He's still technically a prospect. Um, but Sam, where does the, the race system kind of slot in now still loaded with talent, but you lose the top prospect in the game, you obviously lose something pretty substantial. Yes, no, you do for sure. But I think one of the big points about the Rays system is that it's deep. Uh, I remember going through this preseason as we were putting together our MLB pipeline lists. And one of the things I love about the Rays is you have to go into the, like the 20s until I start questioning a prospect. Uh, you know, Cole Wilcox, 
who was one of the best pitching prospects in last year's draft. And it's off to a pretty good start this year. Um, you know, he's got a two, one, four ERA and nine starts. Uh, he's a third round pick last year, but he only fell that because some signability concerns. He's their number eight prospect, Josh Lowe, brother of former Rays prospect, now Rangers slugger, uh, Nate Lowe, Josh Lowe. I'm a big fan of he's number 10. Like the, they may have lost like the sharpness the at the end of the blade, but it's you got to go way down there until you start saying like I don't think they this guy's going to be a major leaguer. Um, so they still might have the top farm system in baseball. I mean there there are some questions there. I know having Adley Rutschman in theory move up to that number one spot certainly makes the Orioles look even better. And I think there have been some breakout stars in that system as well. Grayson Rodriguez might be the the best pitching prospect in baseball. He's at least in that conversation now. Gunnar Henderson's having a, a big year, a uh, friend of the show who's been on before. D.L. Hall was doing really well until he was shut down with elbow tendonitis. So maybe the Orioles sneak into that conversation. That That's one that immediately jumps to mind. The Tigers, I think, were number two in MLB Pipeline's ranks, but they've graduated guys like Casey Mize, Eric Skubel, and now Matt Manning's up there. Um, but Torkelson's doing well. Riley Green's doing well. Dylan Dingler's doing well. So it it becomes more of a debate than ever, but I just love the, the Rays depth too much. And that's what they've always done, right? That's, that's how they keep rolling out winners in St. Pete is just by bringing these guys up and to bring it back to a point I said at the beginning of the show, uh, they just keep adding guys like other teams do at the trade deadline. Uh, they need speed. Maybe they'll bring up Vidal Bruhan uh, in the second half. Shane Boz is now a triple a, if they need help either in the starting rotation or in the bullpen come September, Shane Boz is showing even better command than he ever has in his career so far. Uh, he would be a massive arm for them to add because this stuff is really great. Uh, Greg Jones is incredibly fast, just like Bruhan. I, I think he's a little too far away at this point, but he could certainly help. Josh Lowe's tearing it up at AAA. Uh, most other teams would be saying, hey, when is this guy coming up to help us? In the, field? the Rays simply just don't have the spots right now. Uh, they will be fine. Graduating Wander Franco for the best of reasons, uh, getting him to the major leagues puts them the major league team in certainly a good spot. The farm system is in a very healthy place as it is. Uh, and that's before the draft that's coming up. So they'll replenish it in some way. Not going to get a high pick, obviously, as a World Series contender last year. But uh, the race system will be fine. I just think it's a little bit more of a debate now who's that number one overall farm system in baseball. And with that, we will say goodbye for this special Wander Franco emergency podcast edition of the show before the show. You can catch our other episode, which is up uh, in your podcast feeds right now as well. And uh, yeah, it's fun doing these, these prospect specific ones. So Adley Rushman, uh, get ready, man. Um, so that'll do it for this one. You can get in touch with the show podcast at MILB.com. Sam is on Twitter. Sam Baxter, MILB. I am at Tyler Mon. Go catch the other episode right now. And, uh, congrats to Wander. Congrats to the race. It's a, a fun time to be a baseball fan, uh, in Tampa. Every it's a fun time to be a fan of anything in Tampa. They're the new Boston. They're winning everything. It's ridiculous. Uh, but <laughs> we say that in a respectful way because their fans are, you know, they're not like your people, Sam. <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's, <laughs> Thank you. They're not like your people. Oh man, this was going so well. I was like, this is, this is a great little emergency podcast that we did here off of the really side. Was. I had to throw it I off the rails at some point, you know, come oh, on, man. come on. It's my level of maturity. We've been doing this six years now. You should know me better than that. Yes. No, it's, <laughs> we, but I will, I will fold this in. I will be a pedantic person about this. When you say Tampa, it is St. Pete. 
I know the people right. down there. You, you get upset if you're like, oh, oh yeah, yeah sorry. Tampa Rays. It's like, no, they Tampa Bay. Two distinct Tampa. towns. I think I was in my 20s before I even knew that the city was not Tampa Bay. It's just Tampa. Probably not my 20s, but I think I was like a teenager. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's the Tampa Bay then Devil Rays. I just assumed like, oh, Tampa Bay. And it's not, that's not the name of the city. The city is yeah. Tampa. The Bay includes St. Pete, I assume. I don't really know the geography. Yes. No, it does. It's just, it's, uh, I think it was the MLB style guide or, or somebody once told me this, but I, I saw it somewhere. It's like never write that they played in Tampa Bay. Yeah. They did not play in the water. Right. Right. Yeah. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Oh, huh, interesting. Although, you know, there's talk of, of building a new stadium down there. Maybe that's an idea. Maybe they could put it on the water. Yeah. Just put it, make a floating ballpark. It sounds cool. I think there was a weird proposal for something, something like that at one time, maybe like in San Francisco back in the nineties, two thousands. I don't know. It's late and we're, we're going insane now. Um, but get in touch with the show podcast at my and uh, we'll say goodbye for this one. He's Sam. I'm Tyler. We'll talk to you next week.